I was going to ask you about uh, you and your interaction with words today, but... Well, yeah. I mean, you mean my interaction with you? Yes. Your only because you were tagged in the tweets. That's right. the only reason. Not oh, because you guys are the same person. Right. That's right. crazy talk. Yes. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I always say the main thing that separates it from being me in words is I, you know, you could accuse me of playing dumb, but I wouldn't know the first way of making a GIF. But I try what... and search GIFs mm-hmm. to post in tweets, and I can't figure out how to do it. Let alone well, create my own from scratch. That's keep a, what I'm... Keep a pool of them. <sighs> that's what a man who knows how to do GIFs and doesn't want people to know would say. Right. That's exactly what you would say. That's what exactly what you pretending not to be words would say. That's all I'm saying. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and then you, then you, you, you like no sold the the two joke. So that's how I knew it was you. When words asked me for how many uh, gifts do you want, oh. I said two. And you were, and he just gave me another. I mean, you just gave. I mean, he just gave me another gift. I'm so pronouns. I'm so confused. Um, that was one of those ones where that tweet exchange. Mm-hmm happened from the walk from my car up to work. Mm-hmm. So I missed it. Because I don't get reception in like the back hallway going up to the second floor at the job. Oh, it's a dark spot. It's a dark, There's a dark spot there, and there's a very strange dark spot like coming out uh, of the driveway of the office to make the, the right or the left onto uh, Montage Mountain Drive there. Mm-hmm. There's a weird dark spot that if I'm on the phone, I come down the little hill, I turn right, and then I go around the little bend to turn left, and right around that little bend, it cuts out. It's a dead spot. You're giving way too much information to get back to your super secret science job. Well, none of this is going to be included in the show. Oh, okay. Because, hello everyone, and welcome to episode 141 <laughs> of Longbox Heroes After Dark. <laughs> By putting this definitive timestamp in here means I have to cut all the stuff that we said before. Good job. Right. A very special episode of Longbox Heroes After Dark. A episode at Todd's behest, if you will. Yes. Um, Because August 7th is the 25th anniversary of the wide release, because it opened on August 3rd only in Los Angeles. The 25th anniversary of Clint Eastwood's magnum opus, uh, Unforgiven. And uh, Joe was was uh, kind enough to allow me to hijack the show for this episode. The president stepped down for a day and let me be a program planner on After Dark. <laughs> and I demanded, yes, demanded, that Joe watch uh, Unforgiven. I believe you've seen it before, but I don't know how the last time you saw it, you know. I probably saw this one and only time in whenever its initial run would have been on HBO. So Mm. I probably saw this movie one time 24 years ago. Wow. Back when there was a long turnaround for movies to come out from, like, their theatrical release to home video to pay-per-view to HBO or whatever, you know, public way that you would see these films. Right, when a VHS tape probably cost about 40 bucks. Well, you know, and that's something 
this is something that I've dug down a rabbit hole of recently. Mm-hmm. And I we may have discussed this on the show when um, videotapes started to be priced for retail. Mm-hmm. Because Disney always did, but they were like priced for retail at like forty bucks. And they would be like in those big giant clamshell cases. Oh, I miss those clamshell mm-hmm. cases. But they don't really count. I mean like a regular theatrical release because, you know, you would usually and I'll even say this, like even like WWF videos didn't count. Mm-hmm. Because WWF would release like three videos a month. And it'd always be like, best of WWF volume something, uh, profile on one specific person, and then another, like, third, something like, craziest tag team matches, or wild and woolly characters, or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Those would all be priced at seventy nine ninety nine because they were priced for rental. Mm-hmm. When they would put the pay-per-views out, those were priced for sale at forty nine ninety nine Because they wanted more people to buy those, too. Right. And then I think WrestleMania 4 was, um, it was a two-tape set, and that was 40 bucks, And that was when the price started to come down to the pay-per-views for the VHS. And it was, like, the next year when the Michael Keaton Batman came out. And that was, like, a marketing blitz. Like, you can get that, like, that was suggested retail price of, like, fourteen ninety-five. So that was probably around 1990-ish. right. Because wasn't Batman eighty nine maybe right? It was the it was um, eighty nine that summer, and I don't remember if it came out like for Christmas time. Okay, so I, either way, if it did come out for Christmas, it was on sale. You know, in the in most of the nineties, nineties, what I'm saying. Right, but you know, and that was the beginning of the advent because I heard other people, and I was doing a lot of more research to see when it became more of a prevalent thing, and there was instances of people talking that. Pulp Fiction was priced that way, like, years later, of course. But by the time Pulp Fiction came out, like, we were already two years past Unforgiven. And I don't think Unforgiven was a price-to-move movie. Because I saw your little tweet the other day where you had the VHS copy of it. I'm sure that was, like, after the fact, many moons later at a video store that was going out of business or something. I, I No, I probably bought that from a store. Like, you're, like I probably didn't buy that new not new. I did buy it new, but I didn't buy it in ninety two or ninety three. Do you know what I mean? Like right. that was when like VHSs they were still making them, but it was a you know that just has the cardboard slip case. So I don't know if there's a clamshell version of. Cause if there's a clamshell version, I need one because I don't have I don't have Laserdisc Unforgiven, and I want it. I don't own a Laserdisc player, but I want it, and I need. Now they have it, it just because of the anniversary this year, they re-released it in Blu-ray, but the fourth, the 4K model. I don't have a 4K player, but I want it. Uh. So I just want to have every version that comes out. So, but yeah, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it back in 92. I probably bought that in 2000 or so. Like when VHSs were cheap and probably going out of, out of business. You can get uh laser disc of it ain't too bad priced. Mm-hmm. It's it's reasonably priced. I'll get one eventually. Now I will say this obviously being it, full disclosure, I'm sure you will freely admit that this is probably your favorite movie of all time. It, 
it is my favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. I, I like without a doubt, like there are a lot of great movies. Um, this to me is, I wouldn't say like light years ahead of everything, but there's a, there's a noticeable gap in my head from this movie to every other movie. Right. So do you generally like Westerns? Yes. Okay. I do like Westerns. Um, I haven't seen as many as people attribute to me, but I have seen pretty much all the Clint Eastwood Westerns, whether I've seen them a lot or not. Do you know what I mean? Like, like this Unforgiven and Outlaw Josie Wales. Like boom, I've seen like if we sat down and watched the Outlaw Josie Wales or Unforgiven together, I could sit and just do the whole movie, like every line, every scene, and you would want to punch me in the face with the butt of a gun over and over and over again. Well, I'm sure that's independent of us watching the movie together. That is true, right? So I like westerns just fine. Not my favorite genre of film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll watch if it's, uh, you know, good buzz, has a gimmick, has some sort of hook to it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was glad that it had been so long since I saw this movie, as it was almost like watching it for the first time. Really? Yes. Um, I I completely forgot that Morgan Freeman was in it, and we'll just kind of start it from there. Okay. Um, So you say what you need to say, I guess, explain to the people what you thought of this, and I'll, 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 I'll give my impressions of this. Basically, well, the plot of the movie is um, a hooker in the town of, by the way, one of the greatest names in the history of towns in movies, Big Whiskey, Wyoming, um, gets cut up by a, by a cattle guy or a horse far, uh, wrangler for uh, laughing at his penis. And he cuts her up and his friend is there. And basically the hookers decide to put a bounty on them because the, the sheriff... Uh, Little Bill doesn't do much other than pay the, the 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 pimp more like money and who cares about the hookers. So a series of assassins come to town. Um, they get the the big welcome from uh, Little Bill, and then Ned, uh, who is Morgan Freeman, Clint Eastwood, and the Schofield kid show up to and I'm giving the short short version to take out. Uh, the two guys and shit happens and basically, you know, there's the big showdown at the end. But uh, I love this movie. First of all, before I get, get your impressions, I have three questions for you. That, Go ahead, yeah, shoot. I, have, I have to ask. Were there any shitty effects that you didn't like? Yes. Oh, boy. Was there any wig work that you didn't like? Uh, no, but with a caveat. <laughs> okay. And it's got to be Harris's hair. But, uh... And three, were there any tiny hats? No, everyone's hats fit perfectly in the way that they should. Okay, because that's the Joe Sposto special. Right. That's the trifecta when it comes to movies. And I'm watching this. I was literally watched this. This movie ended in my house five minutes ago. So I'm watching it. I'm like, hmm, Harris's hair. Um, all the hats seem good. And I don't know. The effects, I, I'm fine with the effects. But, uh. I love I love the the character of William Money 
who starts out, you know, super pious and, and, you know, with his family and blah, blah, blah. And you just see dribs and drabs of that just stripped away until he's the William Money from the stories that are told throughout the, the film mm-hmm. when Ned gets, when he finds out Ned get, gets killed. There are two parts to this movie. There's the, the journey to killing the two, uh, two guys who, who hurt the, the hooker to, when the hooker's coming to pay them and the end. Those are two like separate movies to me. And that end part is one of the greatest things in film ever. When he's talking with the Schofield kid, who, by the way, is just so cocky and you know he's full of shit throughout the movie. Throughout the movie, you're watching him and you're like, yeah, I've killed five men. And even Ned gives him a look like, you are full of shit, son. And we get to where he kills Quick Mike on the shitter at the Bar T Ranch. And he, he just opens the door, and the guy's like, no, 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 no. And he's like, pop, pop, pop. And uh, William Money's like, did you kill him? And he's almost crying as he's running. And he's like, yep. And they get on the horses. And from there, he has his Schofield kid breakdown. And Clint tells this, like, has the thing about, like, killing a man. You take everything he's had and everything he's going to have. And the guy's like, he deserves it. And, like, deserves got nothing to do. Great lines throughout this movie. Throughout. But the Schofield kid, and you see him become, you know, like, I don't want to be this. And then the hooker shows up and gives them the news that Ned is dead. And that's when he becomes full, full William Money. And the hooker and the Schofield kid are terrified of him. Just like, here's the gun. I'd rather be blind and raggedy than because he was going to buy spectacles and a suit. And she's crying because she's telling the stories that Ned told little Bill while he was beating him. And it just like that. He blew up trains and killed women and children and killed marshals. And she's just crying and she rides off. And he's like, give me the gun. You go that way and take the money and I'll meet up with you. And I'm going to go settle some scores. And. The moment he finds out Ned is dead, there's a subtle, subtle music change. Mm-hmm. And then it gets less subtle as he's riding into town during the storm. Throws the bottle down in the rain and just comes in and just walks into the saloon like, King shit, I'm just going to kill you and the man who killed my friend and left him out in front of the saloon. It's just a great move. So, tired. I'm glad you got that out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we can we can ad- address your three concerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, the effects. I want to say that this movie suffers from a little bit of what Deadpool suffers from. You know your oh. other next favorite film, Deadpool? Yes, it's the one right after. Right, starring your next favorite actor <laughs> right after Clint Eastwood. The old double R. R double, right. <laughs> so... As you mentioned, it starts off, you know, the, the cattle folks, ca- like actual cowboys, you know, they mm-hmm. have cattle and cows and ponies and whatnot. He slices up the, the younger prostitute, right? Mm-hmm. And they, and, you know, it looks vicious when he's doing it, right? The way that it's shot and the way that it's presented and everything else like that. But when you actually see her and the way that everyone acts to the way that she looks, the two don't match. I think it's I know not, what you're saying. I know it's not what you're that saying. big of a deal, 
But it was like in Deadpool where it's like, oh, everyone's like, oh my goodness, he's so hideously disfigured. This is the grossest thing I've ever seen in my life. And it was just like, Ryan Reynolds with a bald cap on. But who, who said that to her that she was hideous? Okay. Well. uh, Skinny, who's the owner of the tavern. Okay. Who's an asshole throughout the movie. Okay. Um, then... Clint says she just says that he has she has scars like him. But then, um, he's, and then when she offers himself to him, and he's like, uh, "It's not like I wouldn't sleep with you because you look horrible, because it's because I have a wife back at home who's still alive, you know." And he's lying. So a lot of it I chalked he, up to people lying and exaggerating. He doesn't lie. He doesn't lie. He doesn't lie about the wife. He's not, he's not Ned drunk Ned yet. Like at this point, he has, he is abused. He curses. He says, I, I don't curse and I abuse animal. So he's a cursing at the horse and he's kind of being mean to the animal and he hasn't drank, drank yet. Even when he was sick in the, the saloon, he doesn't, he doesn't, he pushes the booze away, but he doesn't sleep with the woman because he says, I don't, because of my wife back home, she's dead. But he's not, he, 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 to me, he's not lying. He legitimately doesn't want to sleep with her because he doesn't want to do that to Claudia, even though she's dead. And to him, he does believe she's watching over the children. And he's not that yet. When he finds out Ned's dead, maybe he would have tagged her. I, I don't know. But well, okay. Now, I think at that point, you know, as you say that you're, you have your subtle music shift, which becomes less and less subtle. Uh, you talk about him with the drink and everything else like that. If this was a different movie, a much po- more poorly made movie, mm-hmm. they really would have hammered you over the head with the drinking stuff and the music stuff and the change stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But because everything was done so subtly, I felt as though that took you on the journey better. Right. And, you know, you're saying William Money, you're saying, you know, whatever it is, it's Clint Eastwood. Right. At this point, he's Clint Eastwood. I'm calling him Clint Eastwood. Even though when the time that this movie came out, Morgan Freeman wasn't the Morgan Freeman that we know today, it's Morgan Freeman, right? Sure. Just like Little Bill. Little Bill's not Little Bill. It's Gene Hackman. Right. What about English Bob? Was he English Bob? Yes. So English Bob is English Bob. We'll get to English Bob later because you didn't mention (laughs) English Bob. Mm-hmm. Um, so as much as they were selling how badly the girl got caught up to how she actually looked, didn't match anyone really the way they talked about it, whether it be from the guy who ran the billiards place mm-hmm. to anyone else, I think it was just like, okay, if that movie was made, like, say, like, later in the 90s, they right. really would have, they really would have gored her up. Right. And... You know, and it's not that big of a deal, but I'm just like, okay, that was a little something. Now, you mentioned about whose hair? English Bob's. Okay. English Bob's hair I didn't mind so much just because he's a British guy. Maybe they were trying to go with something a little bit more fancy or Mm dandy-like. The women, specifically the prostitutes, from their hairstyles, you can pinpoint the week in 1991 where this movie was filmed. What? They have hairstyles that are very conducive to the early 90s. And I'm just like, alright, I get what you're doing. You know, that's you're, you're going as, as far with the period piece as you can. 
Um, especially the lead whore woman. The one who, not the cut-up one, but Strawberry Alice? Yes, she's an actual actress whose name escapes me. Yeah, she was in Titanic, another great one. Oh, boy. Well, oh, that's right. That's right. She was in Titanic. But anyway, um, that wasn't uh, that wasn't bad, but I'm just like, all right, I can kind of forgive some of the hair choices made here. They definitely weren't wigs, but it was just bad 90s, late 80s, early 90s hair on these women in the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Frances Fisher was Strawberry Alice. Okay. And then everybody's hats were appropriate. Now, you hear stories of people say that cowboys wore those hats to keep the sun off them when they were out riding. It's the rain. <laughs> it's the rain, really, that keeps it off them so they can see. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, ah, oh, they're functional hats. They're not just for fashion. No. Uh, and I would kill to get the hat that Clint wore in this movie. Oh, my God, that hat is fantastic. Like the actual hat or like a replica hat? I would take both, but I would murder everyone I know to get the real hat. All right. So. So they, um, so as, as Todd mentions, these guys get caught up. Uh, their deal is going to be that they have to give the guy who runs the whorehouse, which is the billiards place, right? Yep. Even though the billiards, the, the billiards table has been gone for years. We all know what's <laughs> yeah, it was going on. burned in the winter, the cold winter. He gives them like six ponies, right? Mm-hmm. So then all the whores pool their money to put a bounty out on these two guys. And they pool $1,000. Which $1,000 is a lot of money, in, and it's even more money in 1800s money, right? Right. But so, they didn't have it all. They right. had a... What was that? They didn't have it all because they, cause even they were like, oh, we got to pre- pretend. And even Skinny says, like, if you don't have that money, when the, like the people that are coming right, and for this money... It has one of my favorite lines where he goes, what are you going to do? Hump him? Hump him a thousand times? Yeah. <laughs> That's just the way he says it, too, Joe. So he, word gets out that this is $1,000. So people are coming from all around. Mm-hmm. And then they go tip off Gene Hackman, who is a good sheriff but a bad carpenter, which I thought was a fun little gag. Oh, the house is the best. Right. That he was hoping to just have a nice, quiet year. No problems. He was going to work on his house that he's been building by himself, except for that one time somebody brought some wood up to him. But other than that, other than that it's all been him, and he's doing a piss-poor job of it, but it's he's doing it by himself. Mm-hmm. So you, it, that's, it kind of disarms him a little bit because... It humanizes him. Well, no, okay. Uh, it makes it all that much more shocking when English Bob shows up and Gene Hackman just beats the ever-loving shit out of him. He's putting the word out. Right. And that's the thing. He's making an example. Mm-hmm. He knows how fast, because he says earlier in the movie, he says, they say, oh, the word, he's like, how long? He said, it could be up to a week, a week and a half. He's like, it's probably gotten all the way down to Texas, the, the word. So he's like, I'm going to, he doesn't say it, but he, when he kicks the shit out of English Bob, he's like, this is me. I want that word to get there faster of what happens when you come to uh, big whiskey to kill. Mm-hmm. This is what happens. And the best part is Clint Eastwood never has a scene with English Bob. Mm-hmm. English Bob is on the train and Clint sees a glimpse of him all beat up leaving town. So he never gets this. They never get to see that word. Do you know what I mean? Right. I, I find that fantastic that a great actor like uh, Richard Harris doesn't have any screen time with Clint Eastwood whatsoever. So then Richard Harris has Richard Harris, English Bob, has mm-hmm. his biographer, uh, John Oliver, with him. John Oliver. W.W. Beauchamp. Right. John Oliver. 
<laughs> you know who John Oliver is. He looks like an, a, a chubbier John Oliver. So Gene Hackman is kind of telling the real story of English Bob, right? Oh, How English fought, Bob was that when he fought Corky Parker, Two right. Gun Park, uh, Cochran, Two Gun Cochran. Right. So this famous story and how it really happened, and I'm like, okay, so that was kind of interesting and lending a little bit more character, a little bit more um, to Gene Hackman, not making him just a one note character. Right. And the whole point of the Duck of Death story. Mm-hmm. Is to explain to Mr. Beauchamp and explain to the audience how the West, I mean, now granted, this is still fiction, of what the West was really like. It's like, everybody thinks you went out in the street and you shot each other at high noon or whatever. He's like, it ain't that easy to kill a man, especially when you're shooting back. And you gotta remember, this is 1888 or something like that, and you don't want to get shot. Like, the doctor has a knife and a pair of tongs. That's his. That's that's the list of tools that he has, and maybe some leeches. Y- yes. So you don't want to get shot, and I like that. That he's like, yeah, it's not that easy. He's like, if you go fast, the the explanation of that, and then uh, little Bill Gene Hackman becoming enamored with the 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 attention that Beauchamp is giving him. Um, that like that uh, Richard Harris English Bob falls for. It's like, oh, you're gonna tell my story, and you see little Bill succumb to it slowly, where he's like talking, and then he's talking slower so he can catch every word and write it down. And I'm like, oh, Bill's Bill's a sucker for this, and the only one who's not a sucker for it, Clint Eastwood. But go ahead. Okay, so uh, what's it? What's it? The Winchester boy, Winchester kid, the Schofield kid, Schofield kid. So he mm-hmm. comes looking to attempt to recruit um, Clint Eastwood to help him take in these two guys. You know, $1,000, everything else like that. And as you mentioned, uh, Clint Eastwood is like, no, no, I'm just a simple man. Uh, I just want to I would just want to raise my cattle and my kids and everything else like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one of the, what is it, one of the pigs is sick? Yeah, the pigs have the fe- fever, Pa. Right. So then he decides he needs the money, but obviously Schofield Kid isn't the best one to have along with him. So he goes and recruits Morgan Freeman, who's his old partner, from back mm-hmm. in the day when Clint Eastwood was a really bad man. He was crazy and doesn't remember most of it. Right. Probably because of the drinking. Mm-hmm. So that sets them on a path uh, to take out these two guys to bring them to, what was it, Big Whiskey? Big Whiskey, Wyoming. Big Whiskey, Wyoming. Uh, so they're uh, so they get there, and Clint is in the bar, and they don't return their guns because now Gene Hackman has a thing of like anyone who comes into town with guns is getting just the beatdown put on him. He knows who the assassin. You know what I mean? Like right. if a farmer came in with a gun, I don't think he'd whack him the way he did. But he he's like they established that he's been in the big towns and he knows bad men. Yeah. And he's immediately, like, he sees Clint and he goes, this guy's, there's only one reason this guy's here in the rain. You know what I mean? Like, all this shit. He's like, I know what it's about. So he puts the beating down on Clint Eastwood, and he puts quite the beating on him. Like, Clint Eastwood, like, drags himself out. Mm Mm-hmm. And so things get a little spotty for me because I wasn't drinking or anything, but it was, like, two days ago when I watched it. Right. You have a question. I bet you I can answer it. So... They leave town 
or Clint leaves town. No, because all three of them leave town, and it's at some point where Ned notices that Clint is changing. Yes. And what he's happened? Like, I need to get out of here. I'm done. No, what happens is, what happens is, they get beat up in the town. He gets beat up. He they 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 join up right after he leaves. They go up into this to this barn in the woods and they lay low till till Clint almost dies and comes back and he's like okay because Ned's like I'm not uh, Morgan's like I'm not doing anything unless that man is with me. Then they go find Davy and Ned shoots uh, Freeman Morgan Freeman shoots the horse accidentally and breaks Davy's leg and Clint's like, if Davy gets away, he's going to go into those rocks. We're going to have to go down and get him. So kill him. And Ned can't do it. Ned's out of the three of them. Ned's the only one who doesn't kill anybody. Ned can't. And he gives the gun to Clint and Clint shoots him. And as they're like going to get ready to find the other guy, quick Mike like, shoot him, shoot him dead, shoots him so that he'll die out. Right, Clint does. Clint yeah. shoots him through the gut. And then at one point, they said, he's dead. You've killed him. Mm-hmm. So right at the end of the scene, like, apparently, uh, Davey dies. But, no, now, see, though, that's the thing, though. So Davey's mm-hmm. there screaming and yelling, and he's like, I need some water. I need some water. And Clint's like, give him some water. Mm-hmm. We're not going to shoot you. He wants some water. Go give him some water. Right, and he's also not the guy that's on the list, so why am I going to go out of my way and shoot mm-hmm. you? At that point. Right. So it's sometime after that where Morgan Freeman notices something has changed in Clint and is like, I'm done. I'm out. I've come this far. We're this close, but it's not worth it anymore. That's not what happens. Okay, so what happens? Morgan, okay, they go down the road. Morgan's like, okay, we can do this for the money. And when Morgan shoots the horse and breaks Davy's leg, he goes to shoot Davy, and he can't. He just can't. He goes, Will, I can't. And he gives him the gun. And and that's when Morgan knows this is wrong. I can't do this anymore. You probably can, Will, but I have to get out of here. This is not me. And Will and uh, Clint says, we'll save the money, and I'll come get You're still a part of this. You're still part of You'll get your share. And he sends them away with the Spencer rifle. And the Spencer rifle, which is great when you first meet uh, Morgan Freeman's character, is for a big scene he's talking and the Spencer rifle is above his head. Um, like, And that's a great like you know, f- uh, foretelling of that's what gets Morgan Freeman killed because uh, Clint Eastwood gives him the Spencer rifle and says, go home. And when they find him, he has the rifle that killed uh, a rifle kind of that like that they say killed the, the guy. So... He ends up dying because of it. But the only reason Ned uh, Morgan Freeman doesn't say around is because he can't do the dirty work anymore. Not because Ned uh, uh, Clint Eastwood's changing. In okay. my opinion. R- okay. Well, I-, I guess would you think that maybe you know you've seen this movie, you have more attachment to this movie. That did Morgan Freeman like think that Clint wouldn't be able to do it, and then once he saw that he was able to do it, he's like, I can't do it myself. No, I think it was the promise of money and what we used to do in the old days and all that shit. And then when he got there, he was just like, because they, they literally say in the movies, like, when was the last time we, sh- like, we shot anybody? It's been over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, their lives, and now you got to imagine, not, 
Clint Eastwood's changed because of the religion and the wife and everything. But Ned has a nice, not a comfy life, but he's got a nice life with Sally Tutri's, another great name, by the way, mm-hmm. um, and all that. And so, like, this this life is, and he even says, like, we're not young men anymore, Will. Like, so that's what I think is. I think he's just grown older and, and changed. And when the time comes, he's like, yeah, I have changed. And Will... As there is a scene earlier when he's talking, he's like, "We're," he's like, "Morgan, we're just doing this for the money. I'm not doing this again. This is one and done, and it's for my kids." And he's not trying to convince Ned; he's trying to convince himself. And he easily slips back into that character when he finds out that Ned is dead. And that's kind of like the, the differences between the two characters. One has changed, and one thinks he has changed. Okay, so for me, obviously, you know, Ned, you know, what happens to Ned, of course, Ned Ned goes to get home, and he gets caught by mm-hmm. Gene Hackman's goons. Right. And they bring him back, and in a scene that would not fly in 2017, that may have been <laughs> slightly uncomfortable... Of a gene of a prolonged scene of Gene Hackman whipping a shirtless Morgan Freeman. Yep. As right. I watched that tonight, I was like, "Yep." Yeah, that wouldn't fly in 2017. So, um, what we see eventually is, you know, Ned not giving anything up, but obviously, as things go on, Ned does because Ned is about to die. But at first, when the the hooker comes to give Clint Eastwood the money, and she's saying, you know, oh, Ned's dead, and he's like, no, Ned went home. And she's giving all this information. I don't want to say that she was actively lying, but I was thinking that maybe Ned wasn't dead, because we didn't see him die. Mm-hmm. We saw him being beat. And she's like, oh, he put him up in town for everyone to see as an example of so on and so forth. And I'm like, could this just be another instance of these people, you know, embellishing? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Clint Eastwood shows up and does what he does and then finds out that Ned's okay. And then there's that moment, or, like, not okay, but not dead. Right. My thing is no, because in, in that whole story that she tells, is like, he was beating on Ned and little Bill was doing this and doing that. And then, you know, and he goes, and she says, and then the guys from the bar T ranch come in and say that you've killed that they've, you guys have killed quick Mike. Mm-hmm. And that's, she says, that's when little bill loses it. He's like, he had been whomping on him for like an hour. And then he gets the news that the other guy's dead and he's completely failed. And she goes, and that's when little bill lost it. She says, and, and he's like, and little bill killed him for what we did. And she goes, yep. And I'm like, and that's when Ned, like, he's double, resp- he's double responsible for killing Ned because he brings him along, and then the timing is piss poor on, you know, them killing the guy at the bar T ranch. Mm-hmm. So Clint Eastwood comes back to town, mm-hmm. and this is when, you know, as Todd mentioned, the movie changes. Like, this is almost the, the second movie, mm-hmm. even though it's only like thirty minutes. It's still the second movie, if you will. Right. Clint Eastwood comes to town and kills everyone. Well, not everyone, but a lot of people. He kills all the cops, but the cowardly one from the from the one when the, he has the talk with the one arm man in right. the thing. Um, he's like, oh, anybody could be afraid. He's he runs out. He's the only one who runs out. Everybody else tries to gun. All the other cops try to run gun down Clint Eastwood, 
and they all die. Right, and he shoots Gene Hackman first, right? Well, no, he does the deal where... He shoots the bartender, the bar owner first. Right, and, and then he goes to shoot Gene Hackman and it misfires. Right, so he And then he throws the, the gun at him, which is a great move. Right, so he can draw his gun cleanly and shoot Gene Hackman first. Right, and as Clint's giving his speech, you see Gene Hackman starting to stir a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, we're going to get one of those endings where like Gene Hackman gets that last shot off. And he just let me clips Clint Eastwood enough to take him down, and then the two rivals fall down next to each other and die, like in a typical Hollywood type ending. Nope, nope. <laughs> uh, as Gene Hackman is about to get his shot on Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood, uh, Michael or Jason Voorhees styles appears out of nowhere and just stomps on him and just shoots him again. Well, what happens is because back in that time you had to cock the gun before you can shoot it, right? It's not just pull the trigger, and he cocks the pistol, and Clint hears it, and he turns around, and he kicks the you know the gun down. Yeah, it goes off, and then they have a great conversation where uh, little Bill goes, he's like, he's like, I don't deserve this, I don't deserve to die like this, and I just watched it now, and it's a, it's a line where you you talked about the house, and he goes, he says it like like he's so sad, I was building a house. And that's kind of the way he says it. Like that was I. That was my life. I wanted to do this, and I don't deserve to die like this. And Clint Eastwood just says one of the greatest lines in history movies: "Like deserves got nothing to do with it." Mm-hmm. Then he kills him with a Spencer rifle, the rifle that basically did Ned's fate in. Fantastic to me, anyway. Right. So now this was the other thing was. Um... Because Clint Eastwood was being distracted by John Oliver. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was going to be what got the drop on him. And then doesn't John John Oliver's out with, like, a couple of the remaining people. And they have their guns. Like, they're going to shoot Clint Eastwood as he's leaving. And, like, none of them have the guts to do it. Mm-hmm. And then we get... Then he leaves, right? Mm-hmm. And we get the closing crawl of he goes back home. Him and his kids move out to San Francisco. And that they think no one's 100% right, no one sure. sure. And then, you know, obviously from the beginning crawl and the end crawl, there's the mystery of why this young woman chose to be with such a horrible man. Right. And it is the, to me, those are two great shots with the crawls because as you always say, the first opening shot is the crawl with Net, with a uh, uh, Clint Eastwood burying his wife under the tree. And then the final shot is him before he goes wherever he's going to come to talk to her at the grave one last time. So they're the, they're almost the exact same shots, but slightly different. So they rhyme. The beginning and the end of the movie rhyme, Joe. So it's that's like always poetry, right? Yep. It always works when it rhymes. <laughs> so, uh, so I really like this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like I'm, I'm like, I want to nitpick it and whatever, whatever, whatever. I thought Gene Hackman was the strongest performance in the film. That's why he got the Academy Award. Right. Um, you know, obviously Clint does his thing. Morgan Freeman does his thing. There's a lot of good performances in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand why they were there, but this is a movie like, in the grand scheme of things, and again, I keep messing up his name, uh, not Winchester Kid, but you know who I mean. The Schofield Kid. Schofield Kid. He could have been written out of the movie. Like, obviously, he was the cat. Like, he really got no comeuppance. 
he runs his mouth, he says he's killed five people, he's the one who gets the final shot on one of the guys, that, one of the guys that they're bringing in, and then, like, he really gets no, you know what I mean, like, what happens to him afterwards isn't of any real huge impact, it just kind of happens, you know what I mean? Right, but he is dramatically changed by the experience. Mm-hmm. Like, whether, like, to me, like, I don't need to see what becomes of the Schofield kid because, like, he says he's, and it's a great line. And in 1992, when I was 19 years old, Joe, I was You're 19. Old. Yeah, I was old. When, when they're discussing death, him and the, Clint Eastwood and the Schofield kid talking about, he's like, it's, 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 it's amazing. He, like, it's that he'll just never breathe again. Like, that's a brilliant, like, like this discussion of death to me, like, especially in a Western where nobody touches on it. And literally to me, like you see the Schofield kid break down and start crying. He's not the same and he'll never be the same. And he makes a vow. Like, I'm not like you, William money. And I will never be like you. So I hope in my heart that he takes that money and goes, does something with his life because th- this is not for, I think if he killed another man, he would be, beyond redemption in his own mind okay so i guess what i'm trying to say is i don't feel as though his character had the same weight or gravity or arc or anything as six other characters in this movie Mm -hmm. so i'm already invested in clint eastwood i'm invested in morgan freeman i'm invested in little bill i'm invested in john oliver to to more of an extent than him I'm invested mm-hmm. in the girl that gets cut up, and I'm invested more in the lead prostitute girl, right? So right. It, it it didn't it, he seemed like a nothing character to me because all those other characters were much stronger and felt like they meant more to the actual plot than he did. Hmm. See, I have a different take. I, I think the Schofield kid is a huge importance to the movie. Okay, that he's the the braggadocious story that people want to believe about the West. And he gets slapped in the face with the reality. Like, right. I've killed five men. I've done this. And even the look Ned gives him a couple... Morgan Freeman gives him a couple... He's like, how many men have you killed? Get the fuck out of here. Like, come on. Right, but what I'm saying is, he's the one who kind of tells the story to Clint. Mm-hmm. He's the one that gets Clint to leave his home, to get on the road to do this. Mm-hmm. But he could have met his demise... To kind of be like, okay, there's the beginning, the middle, and the end of this character's story. Because as you're saying, he's the braggadocious nature of what we think of the Old West stories is. Which is spent in a 20-minute great scene with Gene Hackman, English Bob, and John Oliver debunking all of that. Okay. I think he's way more important than you do. That's just, you know. But again, I like I like this movie a lot. I'd give it like four and a quarter stars. Four and a qu- wow, is that on the Meltzer scale? Yeah, yeah. If this if this movie took place in Japan, six stars. <laughs> okay, right. Um, but then again, like... there was too, there was too much selling. Nobody was slapping <laughs> their leg on shots, you know, when they were cocking their gun. You know, <laughs> right. nobody wore tight. Nobody wore like cowboy hats with my picture on them. <laughs> you know, to really suck up to me. See, I think you will grade it too low and I'll grade it too high because when it comes to either Doctor Who and or Clint Eastwood movies, I'm like Homer the Food Critic. Right. My worst review has been seven thumbs up. Right. So. 
But again, I, I, you know, you've made no bones about it that this is your favorite movie of all time. So, you know, mm-hmm. obviously it's going to be high. And out of five, I would say four and a quarter stars is pretty good, you know? I'm uh, that, kidding around. You know, that puts it a notch above a lot of other movies that I like a lot but are four stars. Or even movies that I like a lot and would only rate, like, two stars. Mm-hmm. But this is a very smart, a very well-done and it's not the type of movie that spoon feeds its audience. Right. It's a slow burn. Right. And then when the fuse does get lit at the end, it boom. And then I have one, you know, one last question. I don't want to dwell on it too much. Right. But, I got one last bit to do with this as well. But go ahead. No, no problem. But and I do believe for the look of the movie, Clint Eastwood definitely de- deserve the Oscar for direction. Some of those shots. Mm-hmm. Of like the, the the panning shots of the West and some of the, like the shots of like when Clint turns around and says like you better not cut up no whores and bury Ned Wright or I'm gonna come back and kill every last one of you sons of bitches. It's like he does everything perfect in these scenes, and I think that's where he doesn't get a lot of credit. And the the, the movies like his his biggest thing was why Clint I like Clint Eastwood as a director is he. And you don't think about this. This is a weird, I guess, maybe just because I'm a, I'm a fan. Is he always comes in like they talked about for years where he would come in under budget, and and before the schedule was right. like he'd be like I'm gonna be under budget and and before on time, and the studios were like holy shit, and your movies make money and they're good. Now I will say Clint Eastwood's movies have not been great the the last couple. So, but when he was in his heyday, Million Dollar Baby, Unforgiven. Uh, letters from Iwo Jima, that shit's that shit's tight. You can't mess with it. But I will let you do your final. Bit. All right, so Todd, you don't listen to podcasts. Many of the people who listen to this show probably do. Mm-hmm. There is a podcast entitled "How Did This Get Made," right? Where they'll talk about a notoriously bad film, mm-hmm. um, or you know, they'll do like The Running Man, right? Right. And kind of poke some fun at it and have. Take the piss out of a bit. But one of the things that they do at the end of the show is they will, uh, you know, they say, we we had our opinion about this movie, but there were some other people that had a different opinion. So now it's time for second opinions. And they'll take a notoriously bad movie, go to Amazon, and read some of the five-star reviews. Right. So I've gone to Amazon to look up one-star reviews of this movie. <laughs> oh, boy. Now, I want to say... There's only 1,700 reviews of this. Is that good or bad? I don't that, know. You know, that's I'd say that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, there it has a 4.6 out of five. That's good. Most of the one star move. One most of the one star reviews um, are like, "Oh, I couldn't get it to work," or "The DVD <laughs> was defective," or <laughs> yeah. "Don't really know." Ordered Blu-ray by mistake and couldn't play it. Right. So those are reasons for giving a bad review of a film. Right. So the one that I have to actually read is this particular one-star review that has an opinion. FYI, the entire movie revolves around whores and prostitutes. (laughs) Obviously, if you're looking to watch a good Western and not an R-rated film revolving around a brothel, don't watch this. One star. I can't argue with anything he says. Right, except for the one it, star part. It does revolve around a brothel and whores. 
Right. And then, like, here's another bad review. Mm -hmm. Is... (laughs) Uh... I couldn't figure out how to turn the captions off. The (laughs) captions took up too much of the viewing screen. (laughs) So dumb to restrict so much of the viewing area. (laughs) Wow. Again, most of them are from people who didn't... Who obviously don't understand how DVDs work or purchasing DVDs from Amazon works. Let's just say this this bit will be called one star reviews about of movies by Mensa members. Oh my goodness! <laughs> right. So uh, yeah, a lot of it's just like I couldn't figure this out. I I ordered two and they only sent me one. Right. You bought two of them? Yeah. One to ah. coupon and one to, I don't know. Oh, my goodness. So there we go. Uh, a bit of a break from what we normally do here on uh, Gallifrey Birds, or Gallifrey Birds, listen to me, on After Dark. <laughs> this, if this becomes a recurring segment, wink, this will need a separate name at some point, I think. Oh, okay. That's something to work on. For yeah, you, I will. For you, I will work the on, idea man. I will work on a terrible pun for the name of this. Perfect. Mm-hmm. You've got about four months. Five months. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> what what could happen at the end of four months? Five well, months? Yes, who knows? Right. Anything could happen by then. We might not be doing the podcast. We might have a falling out. <sighs> I don't think that'll happen. You never know. You're an asshole sometimes. That is true. I am an asshole. All right. All right. Anything else to say about this film? Anything else to say about this episode? Anything else we need to discuss on after after dark here? No, I think we did a. I think we did a good job. I, you you know, you bring you bring the meat and I bring the fire. That's what that's what what is going on. Right. I do get a lot of meat <laughs> and I got a lot of fire. I guess. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to episode one forty one of Longbox Heroes After Dark. And uh, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com, and we'll uh, catch you all here next week.